This episode comes with support from Twinmotion and Monograph's Section Cut Conference. You'll hear more about both of those later on in the show. All right. Well, I'm feeling a little jet laggy. Are you? Yeah. What you been doing? <laughs> jet setting. Jet setting. Living the right. life. Living it up on the on an airplane with a face mask. Awesome. I'm sure that was comfortable as hell after what a five hour flight. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, it was. It was okay. It was just catching up on Ted Lasso that made it worth it. Of course. Only time I get to watch TV is on an airplane. If if I think ahead, if I plan ahead, yeah. <laughs> which is rare. <laughs> which was good because you were flying on a new day release, so you got a chance to see the new one. Oh, yeah, but do you yeah. know how stressful it was to actually like uh, download that from airport Wi-Fi? Oh, gosh. It, it was like, yeah. it's not going to make it, it's not going to make it. Okay, forget it. Switch over to the hotspot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah last like, minute decision switch to the hotspot get get the one episode Jeez, the amazingly free one hour of your uh, airport wi-fi is probably just strong enough to i think i got okay, it's I, not i think i got a third of the episode from them <laughs> i've i've tried that too many times where i'm just like you know what forget it i'll not just it. right not worth it well and so if i if i don't plan ahead of time sorry yeah no it's it's true it's like yeah the you can actually so not only am i dealing with like airport wi-fi as a people are potentially freaking out that you that anybody would even do anything on there but so so my my vpn is like (laughs) going on through there just so that i don't reveal everything to the airport wi-fi sure sure so so then it's like okay i'm just gonna switch i can trust that connection i think i can anyway i did get it i ended up getting it and it was worth it because it was a new day release and i am totally caught up because of the on the flight on the way out i watched like the the season finale of last season and and i watched the first two episodes of the new season yeah, which is just a wonderful flight out when you can watch three episodes of Ted Lasso. Yeah, totally agree. I, mean, <laughs> I just, uh, in fact, when you texted me to start recording, I was finishing catching up, watching it. Oh, nice. The, the latest episode. Nice. It's such a, <laughs> such a, like, refreshingly fun show. Totally. Oh, man. So, so good. And there's so many parallels to real life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Anyway, you have our endorsement, Ted Lasso, the Arcaspeed yes. podcast. Yeah. And you can be a sponsor if you'd like. Right. Apple TV Plus, whatever. Apple Plus. So, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I got off an airplane and uh, in Dulles, and you picked me up. Yep. And uh, I don't even remember what we did that first first evening but uh, you, you took us to dc took, <laughs> to the yeah. air, to the hotel took, took you to the hotel you had know, dinner had a caught a quick beer had dinner That's uh great. you and i got to drive around a little bit yeah see some of the uh the it's always for anyone listening it's, it's always good to try to get out and see the monuments and museums and everything 
at night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At, at, as as depicted on your Instagram. Oh, yeah. Couple couple shots for sure. I mean, and and yeah. it's you're right. It it is amazing. I mean, not only is was the weather perfect. I mean, it, and at night it was thankfully very nice. I think the first day we got there, it was absolutely perfect, and then it went up by ten degrees each consecutive day that we were there and and still it didn't end up too badly because i'm used to 100 plus degrees here but no humidity so definitely right. feel a little bit of the humidity's humidity as soon as you got off the plane there but not bad at all I, there's nothing to complain about so. uh, until it becomes what it is today which yeah is <laughs> so i just 90, I missed it <laughs> yeah which is you know in the early 90s and equal humidity <laughs> i like the early 90s good years yeah Exactly. <laughs> Grunge movement. So, so yeah, at night, like, and, and with the advances in oh my low light photography that have happened I, on, on f- cell phones, it's freaking incredible to actually capture that, those scenes. I was more jealous at the ability of being able to do handheld, mm-hmm. low light, long exposure. Right. I mean, I love it. The phone just says, hold still, right? Exactly. And you're like, I'll try. (laughs) Exactly. You're just like, let me hold my breath. (gasps) So remember how I, you're like, oh, that looks good. And I was like, oh, it's noisy. It's a super noisy image, right? Which would be totally expected on any camera that you're trying to do handheld, low light photography with. And seriously, like, I didn't realize it, but later... um, I did one of those shots again and it was super noisy. And then after like half a second, it just updated the image and it, the noise was gone. That's it was incredible. Both amazing and annoying. Yeah. Why? Because <laughs> you, you have, you have last year's model. I'm obsolete. Exactly. Well, I've, I've got what I've got an iPhone 10. So, or X, whatever you want to call it, XS. So two years old, geez. And so it's two years old. So, I mean, I might as well just take that thing out to pasture. Basically two and a half years old at this point. Yeah. And 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 if the, um, if, if the uh, spy shots of the 13 are to be believed, yours is about to be outdated. Is it? <laughs> I, haven't, because, I haven't looked. Well... Again, if it's to be believed, the the lenses are larger, you know, so you of can course. get a lot more light in it, and it's so the aperture looks like it's going to be pretty amazing, you know. So it's for that it's tiny just, of a of a of a thing. It's it's incredible. I'm I was because I was looking at, you know, a picture that you had taken and a picture that I had taken of the Capitol Dome, and mine was of course very you know, like blurry ish, a lot of noise. And yours was like perfectly crisp. It was, it was like, all right, I'm putting my phone away now. <laughs> you're like, can you just airdrop me those? Yeah, exactly. Well, the funny thing is, it's like, you're taking don't, pictures don't of things. Don't claim all of them. <laughs> you're taking pictures of things that have had their photo taken millions of times, yeah. billions of times, probably, you know? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's like, uh, what's a new angle at this that maybe somebody hasn't seen? I'll, I'll try to do that. But, um, and be a little creative with it, with the wide angle or something. And I was actually quite impressed with the wide angle abilities of the camera. Cause obviously mine just has, you know, the zoom in standard yours has zoom standard wide. 
and to to see the, the the wide angle capabilities of that thing where you're not having to like interchange lenses or things like oh, that yeah right was it was you know it was it was pretty it was amazing it well was just nice. just like when i went to falling water you know a couple months ago and and it was like i had my actual camera strap around my neck and i was using it and then i'm like what am i doing man like the the smart hdr capabilities of this phone well oh, I, oh yeah i don't have a tripod number one can't they're not going to wait for me to do any kind of setup number two number three it's just not as good for you're in this darkish room with a super bright background you'll never get the bracketing that you need handheld quickly yeah. to get this shot oh let me just pull out my phone and tap the button once boom done move on it's incredible yeah, exactly <laughs> oh totally yeah totally. yeah that's, that's so i guess i'll i'll include some images uh in the show notes for this because it was it was fun to just get out and you're an amazing tour guide you know everything about everything there, and you should probably think about switching careers at this point because you're well, a great uh, DC docent. I, I have this uh, this desire after retirement to become a docent somewhere at some anywhere anywhere they'll amazing, take me. Yeah, some amazing. <laughs> so he, there is a bit of seriousness to that. Yeah, because I, I, I get it. Um, one of the first. So, so when I went for one of my first times going to the Glenstone, in fact, actually the first time I went to the Glenstone was with a couple of architecture friends of mine and we're walking around. Of course, we're like trying to crane our neck and try to like bend ourselves around, like trying to look at details of windows and how windows are connecting to the structure and all this other stuff. And this guy walks up to us and he's like, architects, right? And you're like, uh yeah how can you tell he's like "Uh, i just retired i am i'm one of those them too he goes in the way that you guys are trying to like look at details and stuff is exactly the way i used to it's obvious yeah he uh oh i can't remember which it was one of the the big large firms uh you know worldwide firms Mm, one of them and he he had he had just retired and so I, I'd, I'd seen him there a couple of times and, you know, every once in a great while when, when I saw him, I would wave to him and he'd be like, you know, Hey, you're back, you know, kind of thing. And then I saw him at the national building museum and he's a docent there too. I'm like, did you it's really like a, retire? It's like did a waiter with multiple like, jobs. Exactly. Yes, I love it. He's like, I can't get away from it. He goes, I don't have to do the day-to-day drawing and all that other stuff and me with clients and stuff. He goes, but the passion for architecture never really left. So he's doing a service for, for oh, totally. the profession. Like that's awesome. You know, and, you know, it's amazing. Like, so he's at the Glenstone, you know, he's, he's there a couple days a week and I haven't seen him in a while, but I also haven't been back. You know, I had tickets for somebody to go, but no, they were too busy, you know, <laughs> but you know, I mean, next time. I, <laughs> well, I would like to plan ahead more. That yeah, would be, that you know. might be better. Actually, I should have just asked you. Hey, are you busy this day? And how? Like, but it was it was kind of. I just took a shot that you know, if by chance you guys weren't busy, then obviously we would have rolled out there and had uh, a really, really nice experience because yeah. they also they just extended for the summer hours. They 
they usually closed at 5.30 and now they close at 7. So I was like, oh, this is score. You know, we'll get the late tickets. We'll go there, you know, enjoy an evening there. But um, no. But, but no. But no. Or as you say, Thwart- but no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Somewhat thwarted. Yeah, future visits. That's it's funny because it's even like New York City. There's still stuff I haven't seen. It's like, I'll, I'll oh, yeah. check that off at a future visit. It's a good reason to go back. Exactly. But you do need to come to the West Coast now. Like I said, it's been, I think uh, I'm, I'm three or four times in on the, on the East Coast, and, and you've been there. But now, now you've got to get back out this way. You've got to even th- start to even things out a little bit more. I, I agree with you. But you do have like an amazing concentration of architectural iconography out there that's just oh. like, I can, you, yeah. Can, yeah. you can like play this docent amazing docent game out there and hop from place to place and know know a medium amount about a lot of different places and just blow minds with with visitors you know it is, it is pretty amazing what i have picked up from my travels and stuff and since we were you know really really anxious to like learn as much as we could when we first got here you know some of that stuff just stuck with us so being able to like drive around and say you know, hey, here is one of like a few roads that were our national parks. And oh, yeah, that was crazy, right? You've got stretches of highway that are national parks. Two of them, I think. Yeah. Two of them in our, in our area. In your the, area. Yeah. yeah. The Baltimore Washington Parkway uh, that stretches, obviously, from take a well guess. Uh, I'm going to guess those two. <laughs> from, from, one to, from one to the other? <laughs> from one to the other, yeah. And then the uh, GW Parkway or the George Washington Memorial Parkway, which uh, stretches from Maryland all the way to, you know, essentially takes you right into Mount Vernon, which amazing. And so being able to like, you know, link, link all of these things together, see all of like the new construction, the old construction, just everything, uh, just, you know, kind of amazing. And then just like all this weird little triv- trivia that I've like picked up just because we were here living it and it's, it's just kind of fun. Yeah. And so, Incredible. you know, anytime, anytime someone comes, it's like, let me share my knowledge. Well, and they're building new stuff and they're replacing things yeah. on parts on buildings, right? Like you said, they're, yeah. they replaced all the, the limestone on, uh, yeah. on pays video on pays building and right. <laughs> like it's yeah. his building. Um, but you know what I mean? And, yeah. and now they're doing it to the air and space museum and, and yep. They are building new monuments here and there. And like we went and visited the Eisenhower, which is a, a new addition, fairly new addition. And it, yeah. again, like at night, like I thought it was really, really cool to visit and walk around it. And there's just nobody around. So low, low impact. I don't have to wait for people to get out of my photos. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Except for those statues. <laughs> those, they, they move slowly. But what was great is just seeing, you know, the character of them at night, you know, takes on a completely different feel than during the day. And, and yeah, you're going to see like people, uh, enjoying the, the monuments and all that other stuff during the day. And you can kind of see how people interact with them. But then at night, you know, when everyone goes away and then just the character of the, you know, the way it's lit, the way it's moonlit, you know, the way the street you know, kind of interacts with it, especially that particular one is, is really kind of interesting. I love the two faces of architecture with, with lighting components, right? Like I've always thought about this when doing my own projects. Lighting has always been crucial, especially oh. exterior lighting. When 
when you want to attract somebody to a location, it's like, that's the way to do it. It's probably not the the building itself, (laughs) you know, maybe, maybe it is, but uh, during the day, because that's all you can really rely on. But at night, you can accentuate things and highlight things and draw people and guide them with light. It's just an incredible design tool. And that was what was going on at the Eisenhower Memorial, right? It's like yeah. it's like you get to just isolate that geometry in the 3D modeling program because that's all you can see because you can highlight it and make the background disappear, right? Mm-hmm. And right. That's exactly what's going on with it. And it picks up the additional qualities of the materials that are used. So they're obviously using stone and the stainless steel mesh. And the way that it plays with the light is it's amazing. So it it was really well done in that regard where it's like the, the lighting design in particular on that monument was really cool. And during the day, you might see the light poles where they have these little spots, these little LED right. spots that are right. kind of out there and they might kind of tarnish the landscape in one way or another. I mean, for the most part, they just disappear and people don't notice them, but at night they're not there at all. Right. And all you right. see is the effect of the light on the surface of the monument itself. And wow, it it's really well done. And like, it really does at that point hide that ugly ass building that's right behind it. Right. <laughs> Which is why it was put there, right? I think that's what you said. It was like a screening. Uh, it's yeah. a screening device. I mean, that's there not is, why it's there. It's a monument, and that's the place they decided to put it. But it does screen this pretty ugly building behind it. Yeah, the the Department of Education building is immediately behind it, and part of you know where the monument is now uh, was a plaza in front of that, which actually also had a road that kind of cut through, and and so it was just this weird disjointed spot. And, you know, it, it is definitely a vast improvement to to that area. And it's starting to get some of the monuments like just off of the mall. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, you know, it's it's starting to spread out a little bit of that. You know, once you start to see, you know, and, and then how it's kind of like face to face with really it's the the entrance side of the museum of the of the uh which, I, I don't know the full names of it, but you're talking about the Native American uh, Museum. Yeah, the Native American Museum. Thank you. And it, it, it actually kind of like bookends that the small little plaza in the front of that one where that is. There's, it, It's kind of interesting is that the at the, the, the Native American Museum, what seems like an entrance off of the mall mm-hmm. where they've got kind of like this little plaza space and it seems like it's the entrance but it's not the entrance it's actually the back side of the building mm-hmm. you know and then you have to like you know when you're engaging the mall side of the museum you're actually all that is is just a procession to go to the other side of the building which is the street side which is the actual entrance into the building and the the addition of the new uh memorial the eisenhower memorial kind of helps soften that whole area up a little bit more because i mean it is still a six lane wide boulevard that you know kind of cuts through it's it's to the oh it's I'm, I'm trying to get my my geography here but basically it's to the one one side of of the capitol building kind of like separates the capitol building from like the office buildings for the capitol and everything else and stuff but I mean, it's just this really really wide street that was really just kind of harsh with just cars and all of that other stuff parked on it. And now that they've taken that element out and they've kind of greened it a little bit more, there's a little bit more softening to that edge, which 
hopefully more and more of those plazas up and down that particular street, which I'm blanking on the particular road name it is, you know, really will help that side soften it up a little bit more. Because if you're talking like one block off of them all, you know, you've got constitutional and all that other stuff. But then when you go one block off of that, you've got, you know, so many other things that are still touristy enough for people to go and visit. But it's such a different feeling. You know, one is very pedestrian. One is very vehicular. And, you know, the vehicular side, you know, obviously you feel a lot, you know, a lot more unsafe than you do when you're on the more pedestrian side of right. things. And in and, and the pedestrian side still has car lanes and stuff, but they're smaller, they're slower, they've got lots of crosswalks, there's on-street parking, yeah. you know, but it just like really tones down that feeling so you don't feel like you're having to like dodge traffic, whereas one block outside of that is where, you know, you've got much wider lanes and, you know, you just feel like you're having to like avoid everything to just like, be safe about this and so it's really starting to stop yeah yeah because it's like kind of like uh, in new york when you go to visit the high line and it's completely pedestrian right it's like you you're yeah. elevated above the, the main city streets you feel totally safe and you can mosey at your own pace and you can hang out and there's all these zones right. that are kind of designed to encourage that kind of behavior you yeah. know go out there on your lunch break if you're working in the area obviously tons of tourists and stuff taking a lot of photos but it's it's greened up in a way that the city street down below just can't be and so it's really successful in that way. It does seem like they're trying to do that, but on the surface level, they're not raising you up. They're not putting you below because I remember visiting in college DC and I, I you know, obviously tons of walking because mm-hmm. the, the scale is enormous and yeah. the, you, you just had to go from dot to dot either by walking or, you know, as a tourist, you're going to go down below into the subway. Right. And that was cool too, but it's completely different landscape now. They've, put a lot more pieces along the pathway for you to visit and check out so that it doesn't feel like this long slog of a walk and it encourages a lot more walking. But there's also now the electric scooter thing, right? Which is actually really great for that kind of an environment. Like I'm not talking about it from like a littering the landscape with scooter standpoint, but from a getting from point A to point B, kind of that last mile standpoint, electric scooters in that micro mobility aspect of it, is makes it super accessible for people to see a lot more stuff and get a a lot more satisfaction out of their visit so that they don't just remember walking everywhere. Right. Because you've got all that stuff along the way. You've got the native American museum, you've got the Capitol, you've got the Eisenhower, you've got the Smithsonian, you've got all these things kind of on that one side of the mall that you can just link dot to dot to dot and total makes it totally accessible now, either by walking and not feeling like you're walking so far at one time, or you could jump on a scooter, right? And and there was tons of families out on scooters and scootering right. together from place to place and seeing a bunch of stuff when they don't have to worry about cars. So I think it's it has been a pretty successful transformation over the last two decades to turn it into what it is. This episode is made possible with support from Twin Motion. Now you've probably heard of Zaha Hadid Architects. They're one of the world's best-known firms, and when it comes to innovation, they're big fans of pushing boundaries. The team at ZHA has started using Twinmotion, a simple, real-time ArcViz tool that lets you instantly visualize ideas and clearly communicate them to stakeholders. ZHA designer Marco Margetta says that the benefits of using Twinmotion for the designers are the simplicity of the interface, 
the playfulness with which you can articulate your scenes, and not having to worry about all the technical aspects that real-time usually brings, like light maps, PBR workflows, and other technical details. Marco also loved Twinmotion Cloud, which lets any member of the team access a project from their web browser without a single download or installation. The project manager can access the model, review it, and immediately give you the feedback anytime from anywhere, says Marco. To download your exclusive free trial, head to twinmotion.link slash arcaspeak. Again, that's twinmotion.link slash arcaspeak. This episode is made possible with support from Monograph. Monograph is building a community of like-minded firm owners and operations leaders who are looking for solutions that align with their firm's values. On top of that, Monograph is building the only cloud-based practice operations software built exclusively for architects by architects. Monograph's easy-to-use and beautifully designed software allows you and your team to know in near real time whether you are on pace to deliver a project on budget. With Monograph, you and your team can plan project schedules, budgets, role assignments, and team members all in one place. The best part of Monograph? It doesn't require a degree in finance to use. To experience the difference today, sign up for a free trial at monograph.com. And to underscore their commitment to the community, on August 12th, Monograph will be hosting their first ever virtual conference. It's called Section Cut. This one-day event brings firm owners, operations leaders, and project leaders together to learn from success stories and workshops, all with a goal of improving their business. Reserve a seat at Section Cut today by visiting sectioncut.com. Yeah, you know, you're you're talking about like the mammoth scale of it. Um, I believe it's just a little bit over, but from like the Capitol building to the Lincoln is two, you know, two miles in mm-hmm. linear as the crows fly, so yeah. linear direction. Which you and, could uh, walk, and then and that is totally oh, yeah. doable, right? But it's it just doesn't feel that satisfying when there was it's like Capitol to the Washington Monument to Lincoln Monument, right? And they had a yeah. couple little things in between, like the Vietnam Memorial and, and things like that. And right. now there's just so many more things that it make doesn't make it feel like it's so far. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny is because, you know, well, like I told you, I mean, we park up close to the Capitol building next to the botanical gardens and, and, you know, you have that, you have the botanical garden, you have all of these like stops. I mean, it's, we're talking only two miles, but you know, two miles over the course of that could easily like turn into like a five mile stretch when you're like stopping yes. and you're going into all these different like inside you know, the places buildings. and stuff. Yeah. Right. And you know, and it, but it's great because you have all these opportunities and you really like, there is no reason or need for you to try to do like all of it in a day kind of thing mm-hmm. and really kind of like do some of like the, the memorials in the, the monuments justice by actually kind of engaging with them a little bit more than they, uh, than they you know normally would yeah i think um, it does encourage that kind of lingering check them out kind of a thing where before it might have been like oh we're trying to get down there so let's yeah, just keep so going and like, no, and miss a bunch just of stuff. walk yeah yeah ex- exactly now and, and and that's the you know and that's the great thing is because you you know you can get to see all of this stuff i mean that that's the one the one thing that i truly truly love about being in the area is just being able to a lot of times i go there and i don't just go there to obviously see the stuff that we want to see, but also kind of like see how other people in the country or from around the world view 
our, our nation's capital, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. you know, in, in how, in how other people see it. I mean, you see so many people that have so many different opinions and views on it. I mean, you know, some you're going to just like, just jaw drop kind of like, Ooh, this is amazing. And then others are going to be like, you know, wow, this is a lot, you know, or too much, you know, whatever. But <laughs> it's just, it's just interesting to kind of see how everybody kind of like interacts with, I won't really call it my adopted city, but you know, it's, it's a, a city that I live close to that I visit enough that I've got enough comfort level to call it my area. I can't call it my home, but my area. And and you're just, I think you're kind of lucky in that regard that obviously you chose to move there, but it's, they're using architecture as a tool to help tell these stories that they're deciding to tell. Right. So exactly, exactly. Obviously there's a, there's a list of stories that they want to tell. And there's a, a, some other stories that they maybe don't want to tell that they're not going to build a building to house that to happen. So the ones that they are telling though, there's a lot of really interesting stuff there. And there's a lot of interesting things to learn about it, especially like you said, for, for tourists to come in and, and see which chapters have been made available for people to kind of go through and see. And, and, and it's really interesting kind of the merging of the two streams of history and architecture, especially, you know, this actually takes me back to my college days when I think was the first time that I heard there are cities, there are like destination cities like Paris and places like this, where they will, they reserved land for a piece of architecture to do a certain Mm -hmm. thing. And it was like, wow, they don't do that here. Right. (laughs) That, that was a new concept to me, but, but what we're talking about is they actually have done that. Yeah. So, so DC was really planned to, there's still expand, expansion opportunities along like the mall and everything else now um, because it was originally part of the master plan to expand and have these like you know constant little new i mean that that's why like um african-american museum is you know on the mall side of things and not like you know on the opposite side of the street you know because like if you think about it the you know all of the museums all the smithsonian museums are on the opposite side of the road from the actual mall. The mall is contained. Right. And, and then, you know, there are just like a few little like follies throughout that. But then as you get closer and closer to kind of like the monument areas, they start to kind of like then repopulate the mall itself. Kind of intervening in the mall. Yeah, exactly. But, but there was always plans for those positions of the mall to really, you know, to house, you know, new, new museums and stuff. But one thing's interesting that you said is that, you know, it's, it's the architecture kind of narrates, you know, what's there. You know, sometimes they try to hide the story. Sometimes they try to tell the story, but you know, you start to think about what's interesting about it is, you know, you look at the evolution of the architecture on the mall, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of goes hand in hand with the evolution of architecture within our country and how we, you know, look at things differently. I mean, things that are like really kind of ingrained into the like early history of our country are represented and very much a more classic traditional architecture. Mm -hmm. And then as you, you know, come closer and closer to modernity, the, the freedom of the architecture changes from something very more classically represented to something more modern in kind of like a, a a twist on either tradition from the story that they're trying to tell, like the African-American um, museum, which is just an amazing building, mm-hmm. to 
like the the Native American Museum has got a little bit of tradition, but a whole lot of like more kind of tradition from the the different cultures and kind of like this interesting amalgamation of all these different cultures coming together to represent you know all the different tribes and all of the different cultures in a architectural manifestation if it if yeah it if does. that makes sense you know yeah i i, I agree it, it is an expression of kind of what's what's going on inside and it's not treated as like a generic container um right and i think what else is interesting is you're talking about this transition of design language and assemblies of parts into the way that they're telling that using them as a tool to tell these stories where previously it was like, it is this self encapsulated, very in it only what matters right. is what's going on inside these buildings and what's on the outside right. is not an expression of that. It was two kind of separate things. It's like, I'm going into this institutional building. It looks very important. I guess what's inside is very important and they're going to tell a story, but it doesn't necessarily link the story to what's happening on the exterior where now right. it is Right. And that expression is allowed and enabled to happen. And I think that that is pretty successful transition over the last couple of decades for that to happen. I mean, maybe the the first place where I saw that there was either with um, Hayes edition. Yeah, thank you. I was going to go there. And also the the Holocaust Museum. Very different than the the traditional buildings that were there. Completely. I mean, you go like, so, I mean, the pay edition is a great, great example, you know, because let's just talk about the buildings in that, that area. Um, you know, on one side of the street, you've got the, uh, national archives and then you, you know, you kind of move across the street and you're in the courtyard of the art museum. And then you've got the, the original uh, museum of art which you know houses like all of these you know more classic works and things like that and then when you go into pays you know east wing edition the east wing edition is dedicated to modern art and there's no better representation of modern art than through like a modern building that you know really you know celebrates light celebrates openness celebrates you know like all of the different ways of like really seeing it. Cause you know, you go inside that building and you know, you, you go into this, you know, massive like double, triple height space with, you know, a Calder, um, you know, mobile, just, you know, this, this huge Calder just kind of like floating up above that, like sets the stage for like all of the other things that you're going to see within that. And then, you know, this interesting, like, you know, like, below road uh transition between the two buildings you know you go through this this art installation which is on a you know moving walkway Mm. that you know you just kind of like then transition it into if you are are familiar with the the site there's a couple of these little glass pyramids uh very much like the um the glass pyramids that pay did at the louvre are now you know in the courtyard of the old side of uh, the stitching of the them together and so it kind of stitches them together and then once you get past that now you're back into the more traditional building with the traditional archit you know art and architecture and things like that and you know i didn't just, know they were it has these underground like, that's cool oh yeah it's you you yeah next time you come which of course <laughs> put this on the list yeah but put, put it on the list but you know 
Oh, uh, and you and you get to actually like you know go down the stairs and you see you know you you pass this Richard Serra uh, installation and then you kind of go through and then it, it then it also it takes you through a, a kind of like very kinetic installation you know art installation but then it takes you into like the food court and all that other stuff and then it kind of takes you up transitions you up into the other uh, museum wing and it's just you know kind of crazy cool amazing wow yeah i agree with the 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 way that you're you know it is kind of this from the outside this very different building that pretty successfully bridges the the language of architecture from yeah institutional and traditional to modern because it is very heavy and solid feeling but the geometry is different on the outside so they're using the material to link it to the past and formally, like as the the floor plan, if you look at it, right, it's like it's two yeah. interlocked triangles, kind of, from what I remember. So yep. you can't yeah. tell that from the outside, though. So it is this pretty successful transition from the outside to the inside as you enter in, and you start to see, like, okay, the way that he's using the circulation on this site to to do that and using geometry to pull that together where it's not just like halls with rooms off of hallways, right? It's, it's very much like interlocked open spaces that are kind of triangular and plan. And it's, it's a very different feel really successfully done. I felt like it was one of the kind of early buildings for me that, that really showed me what architecture could be and could do the way that it leads you through the building, the way that it transitions old to new, the way that it shows off kind of a, a different sense of art than it's been traditionally presented in, in that location, as far as, you know, art hanging on walls or, or sculpture gardens to make it very much like the art in the building are acting as one. It was, it was really fundamental in my formation as an architect. Yeah. And, and there's so much going on that obviously, you got to like stagger your visits there so that you can kind of see all of these different things. But that kind of became the model of, of like the way that it's gone, right? Like that, I think was, maybe I'm wrong, but if I, if I had to guess, that was one of the really big turning points for museum design in that area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And I mean, and if you think about like all of the new museums, there's, it they're they're so very staged so there's like this whole procession of like activity that you have to do and the whole design of everything is kind of like built around it is it is very much kind of like followed a model that is you know kind of like has its roots back to like say the guggenheim where you know the intention was or you know even like like the high museum in atlanta yeah it was like the intention was always you know, we want you to come in here, experience this big grandiose kind of like this, this lobby is, is, you know, is here for kind of like a gathering of everything. But then we want you to kind of follow a very kind of like almost direct and distinct pattern of movement so that you can really kind of like enjoy everything. But it really also is something that the, the architect and the exhibit planners and stuff really wanted to tell you a story, but it's a story that's best narrated by the path that they chose yeah. rather than kind of like this meandering, which kind, we've done. Kind of both. like the Guggenheim, right? In New York. It, exactly. Totally. Exactly. Just like that. Because like, you know, there are, say for instance, the, uh, the, the East wing, um, the pay, the pay building, 
you know, you go in there and you basically kind of can meander through. Now you can grab a program and say, you know, here's like, you know, our suggested ways to do it. But it, it is really just kind of like experience it the way that you want to experience it and versus one other path. ones that are very, very curated on the way that they want to tell that story. Right. Yeah, it that it's pretty incredible. And I and now even the monuments kind of reflect that as well, right? Where they're very yes. interactive and experiential. They're not just like look upon from afar, right? Which is like yeah, the yeah. Washington yeah. Monument, right? It's like a this landmark, it's this location. Obviously, you can go in it and up it and get this amazing view, which I've never done either, but another thing for the list. But now it's like the MLK Memorial, the Eisenhower, like they encourage you to walk through and experience them from different angles and get different, different experiences rather than just to look upon the the monument. Well, and I love the fact that now, and I, I think you noticed this with the Eisenhower and this seems to be happening in all of the different memorials is that you can go to that one and then, you know, they've got a QR code and pull out your phone and basically do an, you know, a curated audio tour of the, of the space that, you know, talks about, you know, what was great is that like it talked about the architect's vision. It talked about the vision of the committee that wanted to like create the memorial in the first place. And then it just kind of gives you like this history specifically for the, um, Eisenhower kind of gives you a history of the entire life of Eisenhower because you know there's it's interesting is and I wish we would have had a, an opportunity to go to the FDR memorial um, the FDR memorial is kind of like it's off to the side of on the reflect you know, on the um not the reflecting pond the um, basically where the uh, the basin tidal basin wow mm-hmm. You know, so, so much for my, uh, you know, working knowledge there. <laughs> it's, it's early. It's over by I the don't thing. I don't coffee anymore. It's by the thing, near the thing, over by that one thing. You remember? Past the other thing, though. Yeah, exactly. But the FDR is, is another one, but it's, it's kind of like it, it walks through like his life, his presidency, and then his death. But it, 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 you know, talks about all the different facets of it. And you can kind of see that within just walking around without having like any kind of audio tour or anything or having a docent tour Mm -hmm. where that one is kind of like almost immersive and interactive in its own, you know, just by the way that you walk through it Mm. versus like the, the um, Eisenhower, which is sort of, it's just like, it's all right there and you, you kind of almost need that augmented reality layer to tell the story. You sort of do. You sort of do. Yeah. Well, it was fantastic. It was it was really cool. I mean, and also just getting to spend a couple of days at the AIA headquarters, which is it's funny. Like I'm now at the age where maybe the AIA listens to people. <laughs> so, <laughs> disclaimer there. It's a uh, it's interesting. It's definitely there's a, a heritage there. I mean, obviously there weren't that many people at the AIA headquarters, but this team that we were working with is so incredibly excited about architecture and architects and what we can do uh, for this nation, but also just what we can do as a profession that that was it's, it, it kind of hammers home this idea that we, if if you're an AIA member, like stop looking at it as them, but as us, right. And what can we do? And uh, it's very much uh, where 
we have to figure this out moving forward together. And how are we going to do that? How are we going to engage? How are we going to incorporate? How are we going to include our membership in that? How deciding how that happens, I think, is is pretty refreshing as well to see and, and spend time with them talking about those ideas. So, pretty exciting stuff yeah. coming coming out of that and moving forward. Uh, excited to work with them more to do exactly that. Um, there's a really good group of people that we're working with there. It sounds like there's a lot of people who work at the AIA, but um, the group that we were meeting with specifically, uh, there's an excitement there that is really, really refreshing. So I'm excited to see you, see where things go and hopefully I'll get to come back and visit some more and start checking off some more of those amazing experiences with the monuments and the, the installations there because there's so much to see and so much to do. Well, you know, I've just got one thing to say to that. Send gas money. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> uh, no. No, it's just... Yeah, well, you're right. I still need to, uh, you know, spend a little bit more time on the West Coast. But also another thing is if you have, you guys ever get back out here for any longer length of time, there's obviously, you know, let's do a little bit of DC again, see a little bit more, but then let's also kind of do what is also a great thing about just this area is that it, the States are clearly smaller so that, you know, like I was telling you, it's in four hours. I can be from where I live to Manhattan. And if you like take that circle of that four hours, so many different places that you can see and so many different like historical events that have shaped the history of this country within that four hour radius, you know, both North, South, East, and West, mm-hmm. not much East cause you know, then you'll be in the Atlantic, in the but whatever. <laughs> but I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's amazing that you could basically travel to all of the, uh, pre DC capitals of the U S you know, in that short in that short radius, um, yeah. you know, there's just so many fun things to do. So All encourage right. everybody to not only encourage Evan to come back, but encourage everybody to kind of like get out and experience um, DC on your, uh, on your own. And if you guys are around, give me a ring. I am. My tour guiding is, uh, it is, it, it's one of the things I find much excitement uh, yeah. being able to do. Yeah, I, it's fantastic. I thank you for your service, <laughs> and I I think it's uh it's awesome. I mean, I I could totally see you in that role in the future. Yeah, cool. So a little bit further, so like you know, obviously I saw that one, the the one retired architect who was you know a docent at both the Glenstone Museum and also the National um, Building Museum, but when when you know just before you got into town we were in michigan uh for a long weekend and you know we got a chance to go to the um the henry ford and greenfield village so the henry ford is a uh, museum that ford had started uh way back in the day to kind of like collect you know bits and pieces of americana and automotive history as well as the Green, Greenfield Village, which I was kind of explaining to you, which was this kind of like hi- historical village where he's, you know, he had either bought, you know, pieces of American history that were in, you know, kind of peril for 
being destroyed or, or demo, you know, demoed. And it kind of started with like the, the rights bicycle shop and things like that. But like, as we were going through and we were taking some of these tours and all of these people are just retired. Like we met school teachers, we met an architect, you know, we met a bunch of different people who, you know, not only like really enjoy history, but also enjoy just the, you know, the, the nature of some of these, um, these buildings and stuff. And so, I could be like, yeah, I could do this too. I, I could really see myself doing something nerdy and fun like that as my in my retirement years. Well, I think we should talk about that trip on the next episode because I would love to sure. hear more about that and that whole Greenfield Village area. That would sound. Oh uh, really yeah, cool. totally. All right, totally. let's do it. All right, man. So, peace out. Have a great one. We'll talk to you all later. <laughs>